Welcome to the Scalar Learning Podcast, your central hub for all things related to education. Join us every episode for the most up-to-date tips and strategies on how to maximize student potential. Sit back, listen, and enjoy. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Scalar Learning Podcast. I am your host, Huzaifa, and I hope you guys are having a good Labor Day. I know I am. I'm actually working on Labor Day, which I'm more than happy to do because I love what I do. I even taught somebody at 6 a.m. this morning, which was pretty awesome because it got me going bright and early. And I went to bed very early yesterday. It's kind of shameful on the long weekend, but I went to bed at 7 p.m. just because I was honestly feeling very tired, very exhausted. So I woke up at 5, feeling awesome, ready to go. I was having dinner with a friend of mine on Saturday, I believe it was, Saturday night. And she's an attorney, by the way. We were chatting about life, about what she wanted to do. And She is somebody, I have many friends in law who have similar feelings and she was thinking about what to, what to do because granted being an attorney provides a certain amount of financial security, but it wasn't, it wasn't what she liked. She she doesn't like it. And of course I've gone through the same process and thought process and so on and so forth. So I was happy to give her my words of wisdom on the topic. And we talked for quite some time. I'm actually going to be giving her some books today to read so that she can think about this a little bit more clearly and finally make a decision as to what she wants to do with her life one way or the other. And she may decide to stay stay with law. We'll see. But this prompted a deeper thought process within me. And what I began contemplating was why is it that so many people are in this position at a later stage in life where they're doing something that they don't necessarily want to be doing, but they do it anyways. And it's not always necessarily financial imprisonment where you have obligations such as a mortgage or a family. A lot of times it's social pressure and or it's actually pressure from yourself that you want to be viewed a particular way by members of society. And if you change or modify what you're doing, people won't look at you with the same level of reverence. And that can sometimes be restrictive. So I started thinking about how that happens. And I realized that I think a lot of what sculpts and molds this behavior is different lessons that we are taught while we're growing up, that I think we learn many great lessons in school and by our parents, but some of these lessons aren't necessarily good. While they may make us behave well in school achieve great things academically and even be good children to our parents, in the long run, they can be a bit restrictive and hold us back from doing what we want to do and be really happy. So I thought about it and I sat down and thought for a while and I I boiled it down to four things. And that's what I want to talk about today. Four things that we learn while we're growing up that I wish we didn't or that we shouldn't. 
And it's four things that are natural about us that we, I think about human beings in general, that we eventually shut down and shut off in order to fall in line and fall into the academic system or whatever system we end up becoming a part of so that we are nice and orderly employees or students. But then when we talk about the real world and we talk about doing things that we want to do or starting a business or whatever it may be, then it can it can hold us back in a pretty dangerous way. So what are these four things? Well, we're going to go through them one by one. Really, the, the main message of today's episode is if you're a parent, watch what you may be inadvertently teaching to your kids that that could take some power away from them as they grow up and become young adults. And I guarantee you, as I talk about this, you're going to realize, you're going to recognize, even though you may not have been thinking about it, that, yeah, of course, man, somehow that may have been taken away from you, or maybe not. Maybe you still have it in spades. But these aren't genius revelations. These are things that probably, I think, all of us recognize on a subconscious level. So the first thing I want to talk about is the first thing that we learn is to filter what we say. And of course, you have to filter to a certain degree, but I think people take that a little bit too far. And so what do I mean by this? I think that we often tell, we learn, not even necessarily by teachers or parents, but we learn just from personal experiences that we shouldn't necessarily say what's on our mind. And that that is because sometimes if we're really open and honest about what we think or what we feel, we can inadvertently hurt people's feelings. We can say something that somebody might judge us for that and they may look down upon us for that. And that doesn't feel very good. And it, the first time we experience that, it can be very painful and really jarring. And so we don't want to do that anymore. So then we filter what we say. We're, we're not totally open about what we think. Probably one of the best examples of that, in my opinion, is telling somebody that you like them or that you have feelings for them on a, on an, um, on a romantic level. But it doesn't even necessarily have to be on a romantic level. Now, I want to talk about this. This has ramifications well beyond that. But I want to talk about it from that standpoint first, because I think everybody will be able to understand that perspective. You think about it as, let's say, from a boy's perspective, the first time they tell a girl maybe that they think she's pretty or that they have feelings for her. This might happen at school or at a young age. And, and it's sort of a natural feeling. I, th- I really do think that it's a natural feeling to just tell somebody that we like them or we think they're pretty or whatever it may be. But getting shut down that first time, if we don't understand exactly what's going on or how we should be reacting or taking it, that rejection can be so painful and palpable that it can shut us down from ever expressing our feelings so openly again. And otherwise, we do so with great reservation. And a lot, it feels like a lot is on, on the line. But it's it's not real. I mean, this this goes on. If you look at what happens later in life, if you take that feeling with you and you take that fear with you, it can hold you back so immensely from finding somebody or dating people as an adult. Because if you don't put yourself out there, if you're not willing to go through that rejection process and you're constantly filtering what you say when you're out and about, like you see somebody who's who you find attractive or interesting and you want to go talk to them, maybe ask them out. You don't do that because 
you're connected to that pain and it was so uncomfortable that you just hold yourself back and you think it's a really negative thing to experience that when really it's irrelevant. You can go and get rejected by somebody a hundred times in a row and it will have no impact on your life, no impact on you if you view it the right way and no impact on your future ability to meet other people because we live in a world with 7 billion humans, half of which are of the... Well, what, what, regardless of your orientation, half of which are going to be potential people that you might talk to, either be friends with or all of which you could be friends with and half of which, which you could have a romantic relationship with. So the, the possibilities are, are so massive that we incorrectly take this at a young age and then we apply this later on and it can be really damaging. I've seen this from especially a guy's perspective, more so from a woman's perspective, just because of all the friends I have, and then you reach this point in adulthood, and they feel paralyzed. It's it's hard. I mean, granted, now there's a lot of date online dating options and things like that that help people. But if you didn't have that, a lot of people feel completely powerless and unable to spark up a conversation with a stranger, and they shouldn't because if somebody doesn't want to talk to you, big deal. So I think that's that's a big thing. And what holds us back? Like for example, let's say you do see somebody. Who you want to go talk to, we normally filter ourselves and we normally don't say anything. Or sometimes people will try and start a conversation in an indirect way, saying, hey, excuse me, do you have the time? Or hey, do you come to this place often? Something sort of weird like that. Whereas instead, if you would just revert back to what you would instinctually do as a child, which is, hey, I think you're really pretty. Hi, what's up? What's your name? If you would just let that part go, let that blockage go away and just state your intention clearly and directly, it's so much better. And and the beautiful thing about this is just being honest and open about what you're feeling. And you can extend this rationale to all sorts of things in life. And I think that sometimes we have a lot of negativity brimming under the surface because people don't say what they mean. People don't go out and tell you that, hey, I think you are, you could be doing a better job at this. Hey, I think when you did that, you hurt my feelings. They don't say that, but they just let it boil under the surface. And then they may talk about it with others. And that can create so much negativity. So filtering what you say, while I don't advocate being cruel to people, obviously, but that's not really filtering what you say. That's just being negative. But if you feel a certain way about something, that's my thing. I think that overall, people who are able to just state clearly what their intentions are, man, they're so much happier and they do so much better in life, not just from a business or career standpoint, but from a relationship standpoint as well with friends and romantic relationships. Another thing we learn as a child is to follow orders without question. I know that in the education system, there is a big transition going on right now where we, and I mean, this was even happening when I was a kid, where we encourage questions. At least that's what we say in in the education world, even parents. I know I want you to question. I want you to think about what you're doing. But there's a degree of incongruence with encouraging this, but then also what we want in our students' behavior or in our children's behavior. And I don't know how to reconcile the two. So let me explain, because I work with kids. I'm, I'm an educator. And of course, I want people to listen to me. I want other clients of mine that I've worked with in other capacities, I want them to listen to me because it becomes hard when somebody's questioning what you do all the time. But yet at the same time, 
we want people to ask questions. We want them to dig deeper. So the problem is that while we encourage that, we reward people, we're nicer to people that just do what we say, that don't argue, don't ask questions, they just go with the flow. And it empowers us as educators because it makes us feel like we're doing the right thing. We learn this either overtly or subconsciously, it depends. I think that a lot of more avant-garde educators will find that you will will be at least telling people to question, but they'll still, I mean, it's impossible to avoid. People who are listening and taking orders, you're gonna it's gonna make your life easier. So they're gonna be rewarded, they're gonna get your they're going you're going to like them. And that's gonna reinforce in their mind, hey, we should just follow orders. I'm gonna take commands and do what I say. The problem with this mentality is if you become addicted to this sort of validation from your teachers or from your superiors, and you go on through life like loving that, you wants you prompts you to be a great student. That's excellent. You're gonna get good grades. You're gonna go to good universities. But then what? Then you come out and you will likely join a corporation or something, some organization, and you'll continue to do this. And at that time, it can be a little dangerous. And I'll tell. So this again leads back into going into a career path that you may not necessarily like, but you start wanting to just get that validation so badly. It's like you're doing a good job, you're getting a good review, etc. That even though you may have something pulling you in another direction, you ignore it. You say, no, because I know the right thing, the good thing to do is to just do what I'm told. And I think that can, again, be something that inadvertently can imprison you in a life that you don't want. And it's this, it's this battle. And in some ways, I find kids that buck the system continuously <laughs> as much as I don't want to say this because I do want my kids to at least try and do what I'm what I'm advising them this year of course I do want them to ask questions but it, it just becomes difficult like I guess when you have people constantly just ignoring you talking over you of course I don't want that but in a weird way having that ability to not care so much about validation it's empowering you look at somebody like Vitaly. Vitaly is a YouTube star. He is somebody that was never really academic and he never really cared what people told him. And it gives him great power now in life as an adult, as a budding, or not a budding, he's a full-blown YouTube sensation. He's building a business around what he's created. And part of not caring about societal norms and what authority figures care is what enables him to do things that are really terrifying to most of us. He does things to authority figures like police officers, which I don't advocate, but in a way, he's developed this really strong sense of self that I think is is great and that I think a lot of us, we have at young a young age, but then we lose it, sort of like beaten out of us. So following orders with without question, yes, you want to follow orders and directives to a certain degree, but don't let that ability to guide yourself and don't don't get too swept up in the validation piece of it because you lose something valuable. Next, we learn a lesson that we shouldn't quit things simply because we don't like them, that we should work through them, that we need to have a level of willpower. We can't like everything. That is true to a certain degree. Willpower is a muscle that can be flexed and built and, it, and that is very true, but sometimes it goes too far. The saying that winners don't quit is not true. And I've heard this from many, many different entrepreneurs, 
heard this many times on the Tim Ferriss show. You should check out the Tim Ferriss show. Amazing podcast. Winners do quit. Winners quit and they quit often. But what that means, that entails the process of trial and error, trying a lot of things, trying a plethora of activities and careers as a way of figuring out what you truly like. So then you can eventually hone in on something that is really wonderful and is a great fit for you. And then you can just drill down and go crazy and focus, focus, focus. And hopefully that one thing will be by and large based around something or based around a slew of activities that you like. I think that this idea, because we really, as parents and teachers, sometimes we give too much we give too much praise to people who are able to put their heads down and work through things that are unpleasant. And while that is a great skill to have, because there are going to be things that you don't want to do as a business owner that otherwise if you, if you just give up at things that you don't like, it can hold you back, and I get that. But at the same time, I think that kids, as they grow up, shouldn't be afraid to quit and shouldn't worry that about how people are going to view them if they quit certain things. But you quit selectively, I think, quitting selectively and dropping things when they do become quite unpleasant. That's a different thing, and I think that that can be very empowering if you're able to, if you're not if you're not worried about so much about what people are going to think with respect to leaving things behind. All right, number four, finally, this is such a weird one. We are taught that we need to be well-rounded. We have to be good at many different things. I don't get this. I really don't. And I, I want somebody, I'm, I would love to have somebody come on the show and explain this one to me a little bit more. So I've been told ever since I was a kid that, you want to be good at a lot of things. You want to be good at math. You want to be good at history. You want to be good at academics, science, writing. You also want to be an athlete. You also want to be good at public speaking. You also want to work in charity. You also want to do this, that, and the other. And man, we look at people who are great at all these different things with such reverence. And we we say, wow, they're amazing. And that's what colleges seek. Colleges want well-rounded candidates. At least that's what we're always told. They want people who not are just really good academically because that's not that doesn't mean they won't fit in as well and they're not as primed for success. And I'm not sure about this one. I, I, I just don't get it because eventually in life, I think it's great to try a lot of things. I absolutely do because it helps you figure out what you want to do. But I think that eventually as we get on in our lives, most people focus on a couple things and that's it. And that's how they're truly able to achieve greatness at those few particular things because they're doing them all the time. Or the people that do do a lot of things, they're still doing all of them all the time. So maybe that's how they find them to, they, they continue to still be interested in these things because they mix it up, but they're still doing, they're putting in a lot of hours into each of these endeavors. My point is, is that, I think it's okay to just be really in love with writing and not so great necessarily at other things as you get older because you'll probably become a writer. And most writers aren't sitting there solving complex math equations. They're not doing scientific research. They're not doing all these different things that you start out building. And and they don't necessarily all bleed into each other. I mean, they do to a certain degree. And I do think it's important just because the way the system is set up to at least achieve a certain level of proficiency with math, with with science and so on and so forth. Uh, 
But this idea that colleges want you to be participating in all these extracurriculars, I mean, it is what it is. That's the way the system is set up. You're going to have to get involved. But I don't think it's something that you should be, as you get older, that you should stick to and say, well, I need to still be doing all these different things because that makes me so multifaceted and talented and jack of all trades. And that's what I want to continue doing. I think that as you get older, once you no longer are bound by these strictures of the college admissions process, focusing on one or two things is a great thing. In fact, that's what you have to do as an entrepreneur or even as a career person. If you're going into law, into medicine, you're going to focus on your trade and on your craft. And that's probably what you want to do to be really great at it. So those are the four things that I've sat down and thought about that that I think can be dangerous that we learn and then we we really should unlearn them because I think at the at the beginning of our lives before we get a lot of these conflicting messages we know these things to be true. We know that it's instinctually we want to say what we feel and what we think. We want to question things if that when they don't make sense. We do we feel that we want to quit things when they don't feel good. And we want to focus on things that we really truly love and discard things that we don't. So remember that if you are a student listening to this and you sometimes feel these things and you feel like you're in conflict because of what you're being told, hopefully you've gotten some solace from this episode. And if you're a parent, I know you know these things, but hopefully you'll keep them in mind as you continue to work with your kids to encourage them and help them grow up to be awesome, awesome people. That's it for today's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you want to check out the show notes for today's episode, go to www.scalerlearning.com. And as always, if you have questions or comments for me, email me at huzefa at scalerlearning.com. would love to hear from you. Thank you guys so much for joining me. Hope you have a great Labor Day. I'll see you guys next time. Take it easy. Yeah.